Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. The story you're about to hear is a true birth story. It's the real deal, and it may not be appropriate for sensitive ears. On today's episode... I feel a lot more empowered now that I gave birth. And I, it was something that I had always been afraid of, like leading up to getting pregnant. And then once I was pregnant, the fears kind of subsided because it was kind of the idea of, well, I don't really have a choice. Like I have to get this baby out. But now like I just feel so much more empowered by it. And I say like I'm obsessed with it now. And I want to hear like everybody's birth story all the time. Hello, welcome back to The Birth Podcast. I'm Christy Williams, and this show is where we dig deep into the real experience of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. We don't sugarcoat a thing here, so buckle up. I recently received such a nice message from a listener, and she just gave birth, and I wanted to share her message with you. She listened to every episode of the podcast throughout her pregnancy, and This was her first baby, so her first birth experience. And this is what the message says. She says, baby is here. I finally have my birth story. I had a labor and delivery experience that was the opposite of my birth plan. Nothing went as planned. I was so grateful for your hard work on the podcast, sharing the real deal. So I was much better prepared. It really helped put everything into perspective during my long and difficult labor. I am recovering well and happier than I have ever been in my entire life. I cannot tell you how good this message made me feel. It brought tears to my eyes and she sent me some pictures of her little baby. It was the best email day of my life, I think. If any of you listeners want to share your experience with me, you can always email me at Hello at birthshow.com. Hello at birthshow.com. I love to hear from you. And even better yet, leave your thoughts in a review for the show so everyone can see your feedback because it's so fun for me to see your reviews. It really, really lights my fire. So thank you for doing that. My guest today is Taylor Jackson, a first-time mom who shares her experience with hyperemesis, being diagnosed with interuterine growth restriction, what that's like, what her experience being induced preterm was like. She shares how her vaginal birth went. And also she shares some really important information on something to keep an eye out for if your baby is born extra small. So some advice that she got might've saved her son's life in the first weeks after birth. And that's a pretty crazy story that she shares. So actually she has a lot of crazy moments in her journey. It was a total joy to speak with her I'm really excited to share our conversation with you. So here we go. Let's go. I saw your son's name is Canyon. It is. Yes. I love that name. I don't know. I have have not heard that before. And I was like, this is so cute. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of stole it from someone, but she's like kind of famous. So it doesn't count, right? Like (laughs) it's not someone that we know. No, she's a worship leader. So I say Um, like, she's famous in our world. We're pastors. So for us, like, it's like, you know, 
like famous worship leaders, but not everyone knows them. It's not like it's like Beyonce's kid's name or something. (laughs) (laughs) You both are pastors, you and your husband? He is a worship pastor and I work at a church as well. I'm an administrative assistant, but when when you work at a church, it's kind of like all encompassing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I have pastors in my family, so I I get it. Yes. That's awesome. Okay. So everyone who enters their motherhood journey comes at it from a different point of view, you know, like this is motherhood something that you always wanted in your life or how, how did you feel about, you know, becoming a mother before you became pregnant? Yeah. So when I was like super angsty in high school, like a teenager, I did not want kids ever. (laughs) I wanted to go to college. I wanted to get like a big fancy job and live in a big fancy city and never be tied down by kids. And then when I was in college is when I met my husband. And it was kind of one of those things like once he and I met and I knew that like he was the one, my whole idea on it kind of changed. I knew that he wanted kids because he loves kids. Mm-hmm. And for a little bit, it was like, I don't really want kids. But like, if you do, it's something we can talk about. I'm not like totally against it. It's not that I don't like kids. I was the neighborhood babysitter. I was super trusted amongst our community. Like I was a lot of people's babysitter when I was uh-huh. growing up. So but yeah, one time I met my husband, I was like, well, you know, I love you. So let's like make more of you. That'd be cute. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I can identify with that for sure. Yeah. So how was your conception journey then? Yeah, you know, easier than we had thought, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I'm super thankful for. Um, I've had a lot of friends that have struggled with fertility issues. And so I had heard so many stories of my friends recently who had had trouble. And so then, I mean, April 2019 was when I took the positive test. So I would say like February is when we kind of like stopped being careful. And then by April, I was pregnant. That's yeah. great. So, That's great. Yeah. So you found yeah. out you were pregnant. And how did that first trimester go? How did it go for you? Oh, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Um, <laughs> yeah. I So I took the positive test on April 15th. Woke my husband up. He was still sleeping. I was like, oh my gosh, you have to come look at this. I think I'm pregnant, but I can't tell because it was like super faint because I was mm-hmm. really early. The only reason I even took a test when I did, because I hadn't missed my period yet. Oh, wow. Um, but I, my, my friend was pregnant and I started having like really weird dreams about her and like her babies that weren't born. It was twins. She was pregnant with twins. So oh, I started wow. having weird dreams about like her telling me the baby's names and like all this weird stuff about that hadn't actually happened yet. Mm-hmm. So I was telling her about this and she was like, I bet you're pregnant. That was my first symptom. I started having really weird dreams before anything. And I was like, no, I doubt it, blah, blah, blah. So then I like was thinking about it all night long. And so then the next morning I was like, I'm just going to take one and see. And so I did and It was like super faint. But then I went and got the one that like says pregnant or not pregnant. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, let's just make sure this is legit. Did you have crazy pregnancy dreams? Because I definitely did. And this conversation with Taylor got me thinking about how surprising and insane my dreams were, especially in my first trimester, but also throughout my entire pregnancy. So I thought it would be fun to find out how common this is among all of you. I just posted a poll on my Instagram page. So go to at birth show on Instagram and let me know if you had pregnancy dreams 
or if you're pregnant right now, if you're having them, and if so, what kind of dreams are they? You'll have to check the post to find out what my dreams were about. Um, it's pretty hilarious stuff. So go to at birth show. It will be really, really fun to hear from all of you in the tribe and compare notes on this at birth show. The link to the Instagram page is right in the show notes. Let me know. So my first trimester in the beginning, it was just a little bit of nausea. And then it was probably five or six Mm -hmm. weeks. And yeah, I started throwing up and I pretty much never stopped. Mm -hmm. It was like multiple times a day. And I, I tried all the things. Everyone was like, suck on ginger candies and eat crackers before you even get out of the bed in in the morning Mm -hmm. and drink water. You know, all the things that everybody tells you when like they were nauseous when they were pregnant. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. (laughs) I'm not nauseous. I'm violently throwing up multiple times a day. So I would try to eat crackers before I got out of bed in the morning. And it just, it did not matter. I pretty much every morning I would get up and I would go straight to the kitchen and I would make myself a piece of toast because that's the only thing I could stomach in the morning. And it never failed that I threw it up five Mm -hmm. minutes after eating it. And then I would like be like getting ready for work and like throwing up as I'm getting ready. And then most days I would get to work and thankfully like, so I work in ministry. So everyone's super like close in the office and whatever, Mm -hmm. but there were multiple days when I would go into the bathroom across the hall from the offices and throw up and the bathroom backed up to one of our pastor's offices. So (laughs) he would like, come out in the hallway and be like, wait for me. And then like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. (laughs) It was just like a known fact at the office, like be careful when you walk in the bathroom because Taylor might be throwing up in the second stall. (laughs) It was always like this one. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So it was pretty awful. My first, my first hospital trip from the throwing up was right at 12 weeks, you know, when everything's supposed to be getting better. Um, Mine got worse. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm curious, like, were you um, losing weight in the beginning when you were throwing up or were you able to maintain? Yeah, it was pretty much just steady. Like I just wasn't gaining any weight. Mm -hmm. Um, But for reference, I, my pre-pregnancy weight was like 95 pounds. So I didn't, yeah, I'm, I'm tiny. So I didn't really have much weight to lose. um, And I should have been gaining weight because yeah, so I was pretty much just steady for like a lot of my pregnancy, just not really gaining. I mean, I would like celebrate if I had gained like a couple ounces between yeah. appointments. Um, so yeah, it was rough with the weight gain for sure. Wow. So 12 weeks you went in and what happened? Um, yeah, 12 weeks. Um, I went to the ER. It was like the night after my birthday, lover. Um, I just could not keep anything down. And my husband, he was gone that day for some reason. And he had just gotten home. It was probably like nine or 10 o'clock at night. And I had just been throwing up all day, could not keep anything down. He brought me home some Pedialyte to like, try to get me, um, rehydrated and was like, just like eat some ice and like, was trying to like, get me to eat anything or to keep any fluids down. And I just was throwing up like bright orange Pedialyte after I drank it. And I just, I couldn't stop it to the point. Like I was just like retching and like nothing was coming out. And he was like, we got to go. And so he actually called my friend is an ER nurse. Um, and he called her and he was like, what should I do? Like, do I need to take her or should I just try to like get her to go to bed and feel better? And she was like, if she can't keep any water down, I would take her. Cause she's probably pretty dehydrated. So 
um, took me to the ER. I was super dehydrated, got an IV. Um, they gave me a um, Fenergan suppository because I couldn't keep the pill down. So that was fun. What, um, sorry, I, what is that? What is a Fenergan? Fenergan it's, it's like an anti, anti-emetic, like an anti-nausea medication oh, that they right. gave me to try. Um, and so, yeah, they gave me a suppository because I tried to take the pill and I just threw it right back up. So, um, they gave me that and it helped with the nausea a little bit while I was sitting there and they got me like a bag of fluids in. Um, and then they were gonna, they let me go and I got up from the bed and started walking out to go to the car and I threw up in the hallway on the way out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, that didn't work, but it's fine. I'm just going to go home and go to bed. Um, so that was like probably one of my like worst times with the sickness. Um, and I had tried like, even before that with the nausea, they had, my OB had me taking, um, vitamin B6 and metoclopramide mm-hmm. mixed. I don't know if you ever mm-hmm. had to, you said you had, I, I tried, yeah, yeah, I tried that. I tried the Unisom and vitamin B. Yes. I tried everything. Yeah. Yes. I did the vitamin B6, metoclopramide, and the Unisom at night, which helped with the sleeping, but didn't necessarily help with the nausea. Exactly. Um, And then a little bit further through my pregnancy, so they offered me Zofran in the beginning, um, but there's there's like a few studies they've done that showed that Zofran can cause heart defects in babies if it's taken before 20 weeks. Mm. Um, and my sister was born with a hole in her heart. So I didn't want to risk it because heart issues run in my family. So I was like, it's a super small percentage. It was like one study, but I just didn't want to risk it. Right. Um, so they did after the 20 weeks, they gave me some Zofran. Um, and it, it was one of those things where like it worked the first couple of times I took it and then it just kind of stopped mm. working where like I would take it and it would maybe like push off the sickness, but at some point in the day, it got to be too much. So yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, it, for me, yeah. it, it helps. Like it did lessen it. I tried not to take yeah. it unless I had to, but every yeah. time yeah. I took it, I was like, I guess it's helping. I don't know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, and did you do, so they gave me the ones that like dissolve on your tongue because it gets mm. into your bloodstream faster. So if you are like throwing up a lot and it's hard to keep down pills, um, they would give me the one that dissolved on my tongue and it, the taste was almost like a black licorice taste. And to this mm. day, I'm like, Oh, like that taste just makes me feel awful because <laughs> it was, and I too, like, I would try not to take it until, I mean, I would be like hanging over the toilet and my husband would be like, just take a Zofran yeah. because I was trying to like, no, I don't want to take it too much. It's bad for the baby. And so I would try so hard to not take it, but I know we put so much pressure on ourselves, you know, and it's hard because if you're that sick, at least for me, and I can only speak for myself, it affects your mental state. And, you know, and like, I don't know if you were able to work the whole time, but it's hard to be, to be like thrive at any aspect of your life if you cannot function. So it makes you think like, well, if I'm going to be like a sane person (laughs) and be a good mother for my child when they get here, then what do I, what risks do I need to, you know, be willing to take, I guess. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I was, I was able to work the whole time. Um, I will say that's only probably true because of the flexibility of my job and the relaxed atmosphere that I work in to where like 
there were multiple, and by multiple, I mean a lot of days where I showed up to work in like leggings and a hoodie with like my hood up and like <laughs> no makeup on. And everyone was like, don't talk to Taylor. She's having a bad day. <laughs> and I also, I was just close enough with everyone in the office that like, I mean, seriously, like I would have to get up from meetings and go throw up, but it, I literally would just stand up and they'd all be like, she's going to throw up. <laughs> That's great that you had a job where the atmosphere was so supportive and that's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Mad props to the moms that do that with like being on their feet all day and all that crazy stuff. I know. I don't know how they do it. It's pretty, I mean, women are just amazing, which is kind of the theme of this whole podcast. Oh yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Warriors. Let's take a quick, quick break to travel back to a little moment in the history of human birth, or specifically, the history of hyperemesis gravidarum. Hyperemesis gravidarum, or extreme morning sickness, has always been around, but we're just getting better at diagnosing it and treating it. In fact, did you know that Charlotte Bronte died? from a severe case of hyperemesis gravidarum in 1855. Back then, the condition was not easily understood and she was misdiagnosed. She didn't have the proper medical care to help her survive the dehydration and malnourishment that resulted from the severe morning sickness that she was experiencing. As someone who personally suffered from hyperemesis myself, I, for one, am extremely grateful for the medicines and treatments that we have now available. Although we have a long, long way to go still to learn about this condition and understand it. But I'm also grateful to all of you mamas everywhere that are speaking up and sharing your experience and raising awareness that pregnancy is not always just a magical and empowered experience. For some of you, it is, and that is so awesome. But for some of us, pregnancy is just something that we are trying to survive. And you know what? That's okay too. You're still doing a good job. You're still doing a good job. Wow. So you're so tiny. You're struggling to keep any food or liquids down. You're trying this medication. How is it going for you in the second and third trimester? Tell me more about, you know, what's going on with your body and, and what your doctors are saying. Yeah. Um, I mean, so everyone's like, it'll get better around 10 weeks. You'll just, there's this change and you feel like the second week is just this like glorious period. So I'm like waiting, mm-hmm. waiting. I'm like, okay, 14, 15 weeks still feel like crap. Is this ever going to get better? Um, and it, it just never really did. And then at my 20 week anatomy scan found out it was a boy and that was all good. I was a little shocked. I thought it was a girl, but um, <laughs> it's all good. I love my boy. I love being a boy mom. So at that 20 week scan found out um, he had an intracardiac echogenic focus on his heart, which is just like a little basically shows up on the ultrasound as a little like dark spot on their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times they don't do a whole lot about it, but because of my family's history and my sister being born with a hole in her heart, they wanted to get it checked. Um, so they sent me to Cincinnati T- Children's to have a more in-depth ultrasound of his heart. So it was like a fetal cardiac ultrasound done by like a maternal fetal specialist. 
Um, and so I went down and had that done. And thankfully, it was super quick. Like they did the scan and the doctor came in 10 minutes later to say everything was okay. So that was good because it wasn't a whole lot of like, I mean, I was had anxiety for like that 10 minutes in between them doing it and her coming back in, but everything was totally fine. So that was a huge blessing that that was good. Mm-hmm. And then around like 25 ish weeks, we were on a staff retreat with our um, staff at church staying in this cabin in the woods. It was awesome. The night of the second day that we were there, my back was hurting really bad. And I figured like I'd been doing a lot the last couple of days. I'm sure I'm just sore. And my husband was here as well, obviously, like we worked together. So um, the back pain started getting worse. And so I texted my husband, I really don't feel well. Mm. So he came in and I had started vomiting from the pain of the like back pain that I was having. And it was just excruciating. Like the pain was like very localized to like my right side in my back. And so I didn't sleep all night long. I was like in agonizing pain, like making these like noises. And I was like, something's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know if I'm like in preterm labor, but I have never felt pain like this before in my life. So he goes downstairs and like takes the stuff to the car and tells our bosses, Hey, I have to take her to a hospital. Like something's wrong. And so we're like flying up the highway and like throwing up in the car into a bag, and like trying to make it back home and got there. They took me up to L and D and I got admitted and was like telling them about the pain throwing up. They got me an IV. I was severely dehydrated again and put a monitor on me. You're not contracting. You're not in labor. So I was like, okay, that's at least a good sign. Um, And they were like, my guess is that it's a kidney stone. The problem is since you're pregnant, we can't do anything about it. Like we can't go in and blast it or anything. So you're just going to have to like, unfortunately, you're just going to have to pass it. So they were able to give me some IV pain meds, like a really low dose that they said was like, okay for the baby. And so I was there for a couple hours with the pain meds. And then they were like, we're just going to send you home with some pain meds, like drink a ton of water. Like if you feel like you're drinking enough water, drink more water. And I'm like, okay, I'll try. But I'm also like throwing up a lot. So no promises. Uh, So yeah. yeah. So we come back home. I take the pain meds, go to sleep and slept all night. Next morning, I wake up and then the pain starts again. And I was like, Oh, because I was like, well, maybe I passed it because I feel a lot better and I Mm -hmm. slept through the night and I didn't have the pain. And so the pain started again. And this time it was worse than before. Like I was like on the floor of the shower, clutching myself. My husband was like, we're going back to the hospital. Like something's wrong. They're wrong. It's not a kidney stone. Like it has to be something worse. And so we go back to the hospital and they're like, okay, like we'll do like a kidney ultrasound to make sure that's what it is. You're still not contracting. So it's not labor. And so they did the ultrasound. It was a stone for sure. Mm. After they did the ultrasound, I got up and peed and passed it in the hospital. Oh, wow. Oh, how, what, oh. Was, what was that like? Because, you know, I've, <laughs> I've heard yeah. that people describe passing a kidney stone as it could be as painful as childbirth. So you tell me. <laughs> so being through kidney stones and labor, like 10 out of 10 would labor again before I'd want to have a kidney stone again. Oh, wow. <laughs> For sure. And like, wow. at least you get the reward of a baby after labor. Yeah, that's of like true. Like little I mean, rock. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's yeah. so funny. So, yeah, that was awful. So you mentioned to me in your email, the, the inner uterine, the, the diagnosis of the baby yes. being 
Yeah. Can you tell me about that diagnosis and all that? Yeah. Um, So I was 28 weeks when I got that diagnosis. It's called intrauterine growth restriction. Um, I had never heard of this before. Most people that I've spoken with have never heard of this before. Because I wasn't gaining weight, they wanted to do an extra ultrasound that most women, if they were gaining weight properly, probably wouldn't get this ultrasound. So they did another one in my OB office and the baby was measuring small, significantly small, zeroth percentile Mm. on like the charts and everything. So that was concerning. So they sent me to a maternal fetal specialist to do a more in-depth ultrasound and they specialize in those kinds of things. So to make sure that the measurements were correct and everything. So I had to go to a different hospital to get that done. And they came back and it was like the baby was measuring very small um, zeroth percentile for how far along I was. And they thought it had a lot to do with the hyperemesis and the throwing up all the time. And I just didn't have, I was not giving enough nourishment to him. He didn't have enough room to grow. And so they were like, you have, you have to eat. Like you have to, I don't care what you're eating. I literally, they were like, I literally don't care what you're eating. You just have to eat food. And Mm -hmm. I was like, cause I mean, I was living on like those little oyster, like soup crackers and Mm -hmm. white rice was like pretty much all I could stomach and ice cream weird enough. Like ice cream was my one thing that I usually could eat. Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes I would throw it up. So they were like, just eat. And so I started drinking like protein shakes, like crazy, which were awful. Mm. And I would do everything I could to keep them down. But I was, I would drink like a huge glass of vitamin D milk with every meal just for like extra calories. I mean, we would sit at dinner and I just, because I was so sick, I just couldn't do it. And my husband would be like, you have to eat more than that. You have to eat more than that. You have to take a couple more bites. And I'm like, I know, but I can't, like, I can't do it. And it would be like, I would throw up and he would be like, here, eat this. Like you threw up, you you have to eat this because he was just trying to get me to gain weight and was super supportive. But I mean, I just needed that because if not, I would just wouldn't eat because I had no desire. That must have been really hard on you emotionally and mentally. Did that scare, that must have scared you a lot to find out that the baby wasn't growing, right? Yeah, it was super scary. It was, um, you know, there's a lot of complications that can come along with that diagnosis. Obviously, like a lot of nervous people when they get diagnoses, you search everything on the internet. And Mm -hmm. I joined this IUGR Facebook group. um, And all these women are like giving birth at 30 weeks and their baby is in the NICU for months and all these like super scary stories of outcomes from this. And so we were both like my husband and I were both pretty panicked about it. Basically, from the diagnosis on, I had to go in for two appointments every week. Um, One was to get an ultrasound that they call a biophysical profile, a BPP, um, where they check the blood flow between the cord and the baby to make sure that that is okay. And then they check the baby's movements to make sure that he's moving properly and like they're supposed to move so many times an hour. And so I would go in and do those. And then I would have to do a neonatal stress test every week as well. So I was at the hospital twice a week, sometimes three times a week. If I had my regular OB checkups, Mm. I basically like lived at the doctor for the last nine weeks of my pregnancy. And obviously like they did weight checks every time, wanted me to be gaining weight. And I still really wasn't. I think I gained one pound one time in between appointments and everyone in the office was like, woohoo. And I was like, yeah, pound. Um, So I had to do all those extra appointments. It was super scary. Basically every Monday when we went in for the BPP, it was like, 
we could like take the baby today. Like you might have to be induced or going for a C-section today. So, I mean, we pretty much had our bags packed in the car from 28 weeks on because it could have been like if the cord flow wasn't right or if the baby wasn't moving, if he was in any sort of distress, they would have gone ahead and induced me probably that day. So it was always super nerve wracking Mm. on the drive there. It was always like, this could be the day. And if this is the day, it's really early. And so once we got past 32 weeks, my nerves eased a little bit just because outcomes are obviously generally better after 32 weeks. So Mm -hmm. that was a huge relief. But yeah, he was pretty much just measuring super small the whole time. um, But he was doing okay. Otherwise, so they let me, you know, carry the pregnancy as long as I could. And then I went in my 36 week appointment, it was a Monday, and he hadn't grown hardly at all from the last appointment. And so they were like, you know what, you're 37 weeks on Monday, you're technically like, early term, but not Mm preterm. So we're just going to go ahead and induce. Right. And did you have complete trust in that decision? Or did you at all think that that was too soon? Or what what was the reason really that they wanted to get him out quicker? Just they said because he wasn't growing and he was running out of room. So if I were to keep him in, it could cause distress. And so I was, I really liked my doctors and trusted them. They were really open with me the whole time. And so I did, I didn't really question the decision. Looking back, may I have done some more research on my own and asked more questions? I probably would have, but you kind of asked earlier about the mental state and everything. And I had a lot of anxiety when I was pregnant. And then during that whole thing, if not before, um, during that whole experience, I felt extremely depressed. Like it was like postpartum depression, but before, I mean, I think they call it like antepartum or prepartum or whatever, um, depression. And I just, I felt like it was my fault. I was throwing up all the time. I wasn't able to keep him nourished. And I, it, I felt so much blame for like mm. how I was feeling and because he was suffering because of it. And if I were to have him super early and the outcome was not good, then like it would be all my fault. And so those feelings were super real and yeah. um, very, very, very stressful to have those feelings while you're pregnant. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like, I don't know about for you, but for me, when I had a hard time gaining weight, I also would hear people tell me, you're too, you're too small, you need to gain weight. I'm wondering if you had that experience. And um, what advice would you say to any other mom, I guess, and how to feel that sort of noise? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah, I had a a lot of that. Now, a lot of people in my life knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. And so they knew that I was struggling with that and that it was like a legitimate diagnosis and I was very sick. Um, But I would get the like, oh my gosh, you're so tiny. Oh my gosh, you're 25 weeks. You're so tiny. But I think because I was so I'm so small framed anyway, it wasn't as big of a shock to people that Mm -hmm. I was that small. Mm -hmm. Um, And even when people would make comments, I would just kind of snarkily say, well, if you threw up 15 times a day, you'd probably be skinnier too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, which, that's just my personality where yeah. I'm like, uh, do you throw up 15 times a day? No. Okay. Well I do. So. Right. 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 No, I love like, that you gave it back um, to them. That's exactly what you should do. Yeah. 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 And to any moms experiencing that, just you are doing the best for your baby, regardless Mm -hmm. of your circumstances and no one else except for maybe your spouse or your partner is around and like really sees all that's going on. Like people knew I was sick, 
but my husband is the only one who really saw the, you know, the depth of how sick I was. Like he was the one holding my hair back and bringing me water and ice chips. And so I was like, if you're not my husband, you have no right to make any comment about my size or my eating habits or anything. And so, uh, yes, any mom's experience that or the opposite when people are like, Oh my gosh, you're huge. Like every woman's body goes through pregnancy differently. And Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of it. So I, yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. So your doctors are preparing for, you know, you're preparing mentally, your doctors sound like they're preparing you for, you know, an earlier delivery than full term. And do you have any fears around the actual, you know, idea of giving birth or how were you preparing for the actual birth process? At this point, I just was so worried about giving birth to a like, hopefully semi healthy baby that I just didn't really care. I was like, I just need to like, get him out. And so I really just like asked some of my friends, um, my best friend has had three kids all, um, naturally non-medicated. And so she was going to be there with me in the room as kind of like my unofficial doula. Um, so that brought me a lot of, yeah, that brought me a lot of peace knowing that she was going to be there with me along with my husband. So my birth plan essentially was, um, I knew I was going to have to get induced obviously at this point. So I had heard like the horror stories of Pitocin. And so I was a little bit more anxious about having the Pitocin because I wasn't against an epidural, but I wasn't going in a hundred percent wanting to get one. I was basically just, I'm going to listen to my body. And if I can do it without, that's great. But if I need one, I'm not going to kick myself for it. And I'm not going to feel bad about it. So that was kind of how I went in just super over, open minded about it. And, um, I felt good about that decision. Like if Mm -hmm. I could do it without, that's awesome, but there was no harm in doing it with medication either. So I pretty much just went in open and, um, I was under so much stress because of the pregnancy that I was like, if I need an epidural, because I've been through so much already, and that will just get me through to the end, then that's fine. So that was kind of how I went into it. Yeah. So, okay. So how did the induction go? Tell me about the birth. Oh yeah. So, um, I would say like, honestly, the birth is like the least exciting part of my story. <laughs> well, there was so much <laughs> like before and like my birth was pretty normal, um, which I was thankful <laughs> for. So, um, we went in on a Monday night and they started me on Cervidil, which is, um, something that they insert into your cervix to start, um, dilating and thinning your cervix. Mm-hmm. So they put that in, um, said that I would have some cramping. So I was like, okay, like, um, it was late at night. So they were like, just try to get some sleep and then we'll get you up in the morning. You can eat shower and then we'll start the Pitocin and, you know, start, start getting you going. And I was like, all right, sounds good. So they put it in. I'm laying there. I told my husband, go to sleep, like get sleep. I want you ready for tomorrow. Don't worry about me. If something happens, like I'll wake you up. Don't worry. So I start having some cramping and I was like, Hmm, that's kind of uncomfortable. Well, they said I would have some cramping. It's probably nothing, blah, blah, blah. So I'm laying there and it's getting a little bit more intense and I'm getting a little bit more uncomfortable and I wasn't really able to go to sleep. So I think it was a half an hour later after they put the Cervidil in, my nurse comes in and she was like, are you feeling these? And I was like, well, I was, I'm having some cramping, like you said, but nothing huge. She was like, no, honey, you're contracting like super regularly. And I was like, oh. Okay. She was like, so we're going to take the Cervidil out and then you have to be an hour without it before we can start the Pitocin. So we're going to take it out 
And then in an hour, we'll start the Pitocin and we're just going to do this thing. And I was like, all right, let's do this thing. So I labored all night um, with just, you know, like regular con- contractions, but nothing crazy. I t- let my husband sleep through the whole thing because I didn't, I was like, nothing's going to happen tonight. It's fine. Like, I'm going to be in labor all night. Um, so around 6 a.m., I was starting to get a little bit more uncomfortable. My friend wasn't there yet because she wasn't planning on coming until the morning because we didn't think anything was really going to happen until the morning anyway. So she started driving over at like 6 a.m. I had gotten up and was walking around a little bit. And then I was super shaky, like in like, like very like tense and shaky. And I was like, I just need to like calm down. Like I just need something to like calm me down. And when I was pregnant, my like my safe space, like my favorite part of the day was getting in the bathtub at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, can I like get in the shower? Like my room had a shower and I was like, Mm -hmm. can I just like go stand in the shower? And they were like, yeah, they were like, actually one of our rooms has a tub that you're welcome to use. We would just walk you down there and you can use the tub. And I was like, oh yes, that's amazing. So they, yeah. So it's like in one of their L and D rooms, but they don't really use that room unless they're full. That way people can use the tub. So that's awesome um, to know that you should like, other yeah. people can ask because my room had a shower, yes. but I wouldn't have thought that a tub might be available. So that's yes. great. Yeah. So they took me down to the tub and I was in there for maybe an hour, hour and a half just to like the warm water just helped like calm my body down. And that was super helpful. Um, and so then, you know, I was like, all right, I'm ready to get out. Like I feel, I feel a lot better now just kind of have gotten to relax a little bit and went back to the room and I feel like I peed like a million times when I was in labor. Like, is that normal? I feel like I was back and forth from the bathroom like a million times, like in those early morning hours. So I'm sure it's normal because you have pressure on your, you know, on your pelvic floor. And that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it was like, I swear every 10 minutes I was like, I have to pee again. So, um, I did a lot on the, I was just like on the yoga ball pretty much the whole time. I did not want to be in bed. So I was on the yoga ball most of the time. And then, um, my friend got there and that was like, I never had like thought about having a doula or anything before this, but like to anyone listening, having a support person, whether it's a doula or just someone that has given birth before or knows about birth Mm -hmm. that can talk you through that kind of stuff is so helpful. Like my husband was amazing, but my friend was like watching my monitors and like counting me through my contractions. So like Mm -hmm. the, you know, it would like get to the peak and then she'd be like, okay, you're coming down, you're coming down five, four, three, two. And like, to me, that was so like, I'm very task oriented. So it was like, just get through this contraction. So that was so helpful. Um, highly recommend that to anyone that's like, um, that was super helpful. So, so it's probably around 1130 noon and I was exhausted and I was in a lot of pain and they hadn't checked me in a while. So I don't really know how dilated I was at this point. My guess would be that I was around seven or eight centimeters at this point based off. But your water still hadn't broken. Oh no, they came in and broke my water. Oh, I missed, I'm sorry. Sorry, I I forgot that part. Yes, they came in and broke my water um, probably around like nine or 10 in the morning. They came and broke my water. What was that experience like? Was that, did it get really intense after that or not? It wasn't bad? My contractions definitely increased after they broke my water, but it wasn't, I mean, I had, I wasn't worried. Like when they did it, I was like, oh, this is gonna hurt. But it really, it was just weird. Like it was just Mm -hmm. like, a water balloon yeah. popping like in your leg. I mean, it didn't like it. I didn't think it was painful or anything. It was just a little bit like uncomfortable. So, okay. but yeah, my contractions ramped up after that. 
for sure. And then I was that I was on the yoga ball like a lot after that. I did not want to be sitting still. And then I was like, I had like a couple bad contractions and I had told my friend and my husband, if I ask for an epidural once, encourage me to keep going. If I ask mm. for it twice, give it to me. Cause I know that I might ask for it once, but then like be okay. So I had, I had at one point said like, okay, I'm done. And then a contraction like ended and I was like, Never mind, never mind. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. So I was like, I can do this, I can do this. And then I had a couple more really bad ones and I looked at my friend and I just like looked at her and she was like, She's done. She wants the epidural. And I was like, mm-hmm. like, she could just tell by my face that I was done. And so obviously, like she had to leave and then they did the epidural, which I was super nervous about because I don't like not being able to move. I don't like needles. Like that was a lot of my push to not get one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as bad as I thought getting it getting it placed. It was not as bad. Um, I will say I absolutely hated the feeling of having, having an epidural, like the numbness. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me feel super claustrophobic. And was it very I, numbing for you? Cause so, some people it, it's not as much. So it, it was totally blocked. You're all your, all your was, feeling. Yes. So okay. they, when he first placed it, it was uneven. It took a little bit more on my left side than my right side. Mm. So the anesthesiologist came back in and gave me another little like shot of the, of the meds or whatever. And then it leveled out. And I was, I mean, incredibly numb. I could not feel a thing. I was like, how am I supposed to know when I need to push? Because I could not feel anything. And I did, I hated it. I like watching the nurses like move my legs and not being able to feel them do it was like the cringiest Mm. thing to me. I just, I did not like it at all. Um, but it did take away your pain. It right. did. It, did so, it took away the pain. How did but, you, are um, you, do you regret getting, well, we'll get to that after we hear yeah, the whole yeah. thing, right? Okay. Yeah, so yeah. then so, you, you got um, it. And then. Okay. So yeah. So around noon probably is when, um, when it took and then maybe a little afternoon and then they checked me a little bit later and they were like, okay, you're at 10. And I was like, oh, okay. So they start like calling everybody in. Um, they had some NICU people in there. I don't know if that's normal or if that's because they knew that my baby was going to be very small. So they had uh, the NICU team in there. Um, so they were like, all of a sudden there's like all these people in my room and I was like, oh my gosh. And then I pushed for about 20 minutes and that was about it. And he was born. Wow. Great. Yeah. It was super smooth with the delivery. Um, it was, I mean, my, friend held my leg and my husband pushed on my back and I gave him like signals when I wanted like my forehead wipe with a washcloth. Uh-huh. And I mean, that was, that was pretty much it. Wow. It was pretty, yeah, pretty tell uneventful. Me, tell me about that moment when he came out. Like, how was yeah, that for um, you? Cause everyone is, you know, people experience yeah. that moment differently. So how yeah. did you respond in that moment? Yeah, it was, um, obviously it was like, it was a huge relief, but it was this also like, I had a little bit of a buildup of anxiety because I didn't know what was going to happen after that. Because Mm -hmm. I, my husband and I had fully prepared ourselves for not being able to hold him right away because we didn't know what his condition would be. Um, we knew he was going to be small. He was measuring to be about five pounds when they measured through ultrasound. So we also know that ultrasounds can be pounds off either way. And so I was like, okay, but he could be four pounds. Like he could be like extra teeny tiny. So I didn't want to get my hopes up. So we had prepared ourselves kind of for not the worst, worst, but for not Mm -hmm. being able to hold him right away. So they asked my husband if he wanted to cut the cord and I'm just sitting there going, is he okay? 
is he okay? Like, mm-hmm. is he okay? And they're like, yeah, honey, he's fine. He's, he's perfectly fine. He's little, but he's fine. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh, he's fine. He's fine. And so they like, they put him on my chest and I just, the emotions of like, just knowing that he was okay. And like, he couldn't got to like stay with me. And yeah. I did have a little bit of that, like, are they going to have to take him? Cause I was just waiting for them to like give him to me for a few minutes and then be like, okay, like we need to take him to the NICU now because he's so little. And so I had this like, don't take my baby. Like he's, but he was fine and he did not leave our room until amazing. they, until yeah, they, he didn't leave our room. So it was great. It was amazing. Like we were just prepared for a much different experience. And so we were super blessed that, um, that was the, that that was the experience. So wow. yeah. Great. Yeah, oh, was- so happy he was healthy and everything yes. went well yeah. and you got to bond with him right away. Yeah. Yes. It was awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, How was yeah. your husband? Was he so emotional or was he sort oh, of just, yes. yeah. 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 He was a mess. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's a pretty emotional guy. So he was I was just bawling and was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you just did that. And like, he's so beautiful. And so then like I did an hour to skin of skin to skin and then he did an hour of skin to skin. And it was, it was awesome. Yeah. He was super, super excited. Very emotional. So oh my it was goodness. emotional all around. My friend was like bawling. She's like, it's not even my baby, but you did so good. <laughs> it's so magical. You know, yes, it just it birth is. is so magical. It seems yes. like hard to yeah. believe that that's all how we got here. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Did you tear or how was, how yeah. was that? I just had, like they said, I had a teeny tiny first degree tear. So oh, I just great. had a couple stitches, um, nothing, nothing too bad. So great. Oh, good. Yeah. And then the recovery. So how long did you stay at the hospital? And then you, when were you able to go home and how was the first week or the first, you know, the few days at home? Yeah. So he was born on a Tuesday and we went home on a Thursday evening. Yes. Okay. We went home on a Thursday evening. So they did keep us maybe a little bit longer than what's normal because um, he got his blood sugar checked every couple hours while we were there to make sure that his um, glucose levels were okay because of how small he was. It was, yeah, it was fine. So right after, once my epidural wore off, I had like a lot of pain and I wasn't able to like sit. And I kept telling them like, something feels like, off and weird. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel after I gave birth, but like, I don't know. And so they checked me and I had, um, like a hematoma, like a buildup of blood in my cervix. So they kept me in bed, kept my catheter in from the epidural until the next morning. And they, I wasn't allowed to eat or anything for the first night because they didn't know if they would have to take me to surgery if the hematoma like didn't go down on its oh, own. Oh, wow. Yeah. How long were you not able to eat? Cause you're not able to eat after you get on Pitocin, right? So it was a yeah, while. I, I hadn't eaten since the night before, like when we, before we went into the hospital and then I had him at two o'clock in the afternoon and I didn't eat until that next morning at like 8am. Wow. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. (laughs) I was starving. (laughs) Um, but thankfully it resolved on its own. They didn't have to take me to surgery. So that was fine. Wait. You ready for some fun animal facts? It's so interesting to me to see what the animal kingdom is doing in their reproduction. So bizarre. Like elephants, they have really long pregnancies, 22 months. So if you're feeling bad about your nine months, think of the mama elephants. 
Also, this is cute. Baby elephants suck their trunks just like human babies suck their thumbs. Oh, that's so cute. Have you ever thought like, oh, oh man, I wish I had three vaginas. Well, kangaroos do. <laughs> they, they have two vaginas for collecting sperm. And the central vagina is exclusively for giving birth. So that's cool. And yeah, some male kangaroos have a double prong penis. So that's also interesting. We were there for a couple of days and just, you know, hanging out, doing the hospital thing, trying to nurse, um, which was not going super well for me, which was pretty stressful for me. I really, really wanted to breastfeed. And because of how little he was, it was really hard to keep him awake for nursing Mm. sessions. And so like when they're really little like that, they said it's normal, but I would have to like get him completely undressed and like rub like a cold washcloth on him to like keep him awake. Mm. And so, um, so that was a struggle. And then even like a couple of days later, my milk never really like came in. Like I kept asking my friends like, well, I know when it comes in or is it just kind of like a gradual? And I had multiple friends say, no, it's like a rush. Like you mm. will feel like yourself get full most right. likely. But isn't it um, different what- though with a premature baby or a baby that's born early? I feel like I've yeah. heard my mom friends that have had preemie yeah. babies say that it takes a while. It can take a while for the milk to come in. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it can take longer. And so I was still trying like every two hours or whatever. And then the second, well, not the second day, the third day, I think it was before we went home, they finally were like, okay, like he's not really like eating very well. We really need to probably supplement with a little bit of formula and like just keep trying and hopefully your milk will come in in a few days and then it'll be fine. But he has like, he needs to eat. And so I wasn't like super against it. I was like, he's five pounds. Like he has to, you know, he has to like gain weight. So, um, we gave him a couple bottles, which was, it was a weird feeling. Like I was happy he was eating, but it was very defeating because I wanted to breastfeed so bad. And so Mm. I was like, um, super disappointed in that we had some really awesome lactation consultants there that were super helpful. Um, but then actually the last day we were there, the one that came in in the morning before I left, um, she came in and she asked how it was going and when the last time he ate was. And I was like, he ate 30 minutes ago. And she was like, breast or bottle. And I was like, I was like, well, I, I nursed, like I tried to nurse for a few minutes and he wasn't really eating. So then we just gave him a bottle and she was like, well, that doesn't count. So she left and I'm bawling, like bawling because I'm like, I don't know what else to do. I don't have any milk. He needs to eat. So the lactation consultant was saying that because you only tried to breastfeed for a couple minutes, that didn't count? Because I gave him a bottle, it didn't count. That's very shaming. That's very shaming. I don't like that. Oh, yeah. I was, yes. Okay. I I mean, I was a mess when she said that. So my nurse comes in and I was crying and she was like, like what's going on? What can can I help you with something? And I was like, yeah, like the LC just came in and I told her what had happened and how we'd been having trouble. And she was like, honey, listen to me. You have to feed that baby and it doesn't matter how you do it. 
And like, she was like, do you want me to have a lactation consultant come in? And I was like, no, I was like, not if it's the one that was here this morning, because I told her what was said. And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like she can come on a little strong sometimes. Like she is very good at her job, but I'm sure that she didn't mean it that way. And I, but I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to see her again. And so, um, my nurse just kind of helped me out that day. And then we went home struggled with it for that first week, feeding him every two hours. And then I'd give him to my husband. My husband would give him a little bit of a bottle and then I would go pump. And by the time I was done pumping, it was time to do it all over again. Was milk coming out when you were pumping or just a little bit? Or I would get like maybe like three to five milliliters from like both boobs combined. Right. So it was super defeating because mm-hmm. I would just sit there and pump and pump and pump and it just, and sometimes it would be nothing. And sometimes like in the morning I would always get just a little bit more, but like I'm like five milliliters was like a lot to me, right. like five right. milliliters was a win. So it was, um, yeah, that, that part was super frustrating. Very. Um, yeah. yeah. How were you doing physically? Otherwise, were you feeling like you were able to handle the post? Did anything about the your you know your physical healing from birthing your child was that surprising to you, or did you feel like your friends had prepared you for that and you had everything you needed yeah. at the house? And yeah, I felt like my friends very much prepared me for that. I had texted a few of them and asked for product recommendations mm-hmm. and all of that. And Good. so I I had tux pads and dermaplast and great. The like ice packs that I like lived on. And so, yeah, I had like, I had my little drawer next to the toilet in my bathroom that had all my stuff in it. And so it was, um, I felt super prepared for that. I mean, I was, I was in a significant amount of pain, but I did feel like I was prepared and had the stuff that I needed and just tried to not overdo it. And my husband was super helpful and I would be like trying to wash dishes and he'd be like, go sit down. What are you doing? So that was, that was really good. Good. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Did you ever feel like you got the help that you needed with breastfeeding or was that sort of um, the end of your breastfeeding journey? Like how did that end up for you? Well, yeah. So that kind of like leads into another little tidbit. Okay. So when my son was a week old, we, so I'm still trying to nurse at this point, nursing, pumping, doing the whole thing. I was like, not, not about to give up. I was like really determined to make it like through a month. Cause I figured like, if I can make it through a month and maybe it'll come in. Cause that's about how early he was. So maybe I just need to wait until he would have been full term. And, um, so he's about a week old. We gave him a little bath in the sink and we were getting him dressed and I kissed his forehead and he felt like really cold to like, to the touch of my lips. And I was like, well, that's weird. So I got our forehead scanning thermometer and scanned him and it it read 91 degrees Fahrenheit. And I was like, that can't be right. That can't Mm. be right. So I scanned him again and it said the same thing. And I'm like, this thing, it's gotta be broken. Like what is wrong with this thing? So I scanned my forehead and mine was normal. And I scanned my husband's and his was normal. And I was like, something's wrong. So I got the regular thermometer and took his rectal temp because I knew that if we called the doctor, they would want the rectal temp because that's what they always say. So I took his rectal temp and it was 92. Mm. And so we called our pediatrician and they didn't answer. It got like sent to a voicemail of, cause I don't think, I think it might've been a, a off hours or maybe it was like their lunch time. I don't remember. Um, but it got sent to a voicemail or whatever. And 
they weren't calling us back. I wrapped him in a super warm blanket, tried nursing him to like warm him up and like hold him skin to skin. And I kept taking his temperature and it just wasn't going up. And so I looked at my husband, I was like, something's wrong. We have to go. Mm-hmm. So we put him in the car seat. We live in Cincinnati. So Ohio. So we drove him to Cincinnati children's, which is like one of the top children's hospitals in the nation. So that was comforting, but mm. took him to the ER got him in. They took us straight back to a trauma bay um, and started like taking his vitals. And then a nurse comes in and she was like, okay, we don't want you to freak out, but we're going to walk down to this room called the big room. And there's going to be a lot of people in there, but we just want to make sure that we're taking the best care of your baby. So it's going to be overwhelming, but it's okay. Mm. So I'm carrying him down like this hallway into this room. And I mean, like we walked in and it was surreal. It was bright and there was an incubator and they had me like lay him in the incubator. There were like 20 medical professionals in there, like doctors, nurses, a respiratory therapist, an EMT, medical assistants. There was a social worker. So I just laid him down and then they kind of like, not like pushed me away, but you know, like walked me over to the side of the room and they're calling out medical terms and all these things and putting IVs in him and monitors on him. And I'm just standing there like in complete shock. This cannot be happening. So my husband and I are just standing there and a social worker came in and stood next to me, asked me if I was okay. So then I panic because I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to, they're going to take my baby away. They're going to think, you know, like those postpartum hormones where you're like, panicking about like stuff that's not even realistic. And so I thought they were coming because they thought it was like intentional or like something like that. And so, but obviously like that was not the case. She was just there as a support person. She was like, are you okay? Like, can I get you a water or a snack? Like you just had a baby. Do you want to sit down? And, um, so yeah, so it was terrifying. We were in there for like maybe like a half an hour or so. I have no idea. I lost all like track of any time while we were in there. So they got his temperature stabilized. All of his other vitals were completely normal. So they weren't super worried at this point. They think he just is so little, had trouble regulating his temperature. So they moved us into a room like within the ER. So we're still like in an ER, but we're in like a door, a room with a door. Um, And we were in there for a little bit. He's still like on the warming bed, getting warmed up. And so we're just kind of sitting there like not knowing what to do. Um, And then they came in and they were like, okay, like, we're going to admit you, we need to run some tests and make sure he doesn't have any type of infection or anything. So the ER doctor came back in and she had to do a lumbar puncture, which otherwise known as a spinal tap Mm, uh, on my seven day old baby. So I had to hold him. I mean, I'll never forget like the sound of his screams while they did that. It was absolutely traumatizing. So, um, yeah, it was, it was very scary. Were um, they wanting to make sure that the baby didn't have meningitis or something like that? Yeah, yeah, they were testing for meningitis with the lumbar puncture, and then they took um, some blood for some other bacterial infections that they were checking for and viral infections. So yeah, so we were in that room for a few hours, and then they admitted us and took us up to like a regular room. And it takes like so many days to get those tests back because they have to like plate them in the lab, and then you have to wait and see if anything grows and all this stuff. And so he was in like a like an isolation room, so we had to like scrub in and out of his room, and the nurses had to wear gowns when they came in. And um, yeah, it was 
it was terrifying. We were there for two nights, three days. Thankfully, like we never had any other issues with this temperature while we were there and all the tests came back negative and we got to go home eventually. But while we were there, we worked a lot with a lactation consultant and a speech therapist to help with the breastfeeding stuff. So that was super helpful because we had gone back to the lactation consultant at the hospital that I gave birth at. And this was when he was like four days old, maybe. And she had me pump and she like felt me and she was like, oh, sweetheart, you just don't have any milk. Like, I, it's just so odd. Like it's, you know, he, maybe because he was early and she kind of told me not to like, not, not to keep trying, but kind of like, if you need to give your baby formula because you're not producing milk, like it's okay. is right. kind of like what she told me. But it sounds a little discouraging as opposed to trying to help you, or I don't know how you feel about that, but it, well, I think in the moment I was happy for the support of like, if you, if you can't make it work, it's okay. But also like maybe if she had given me some more like tools or things to try, it may have been a little bit more helpful, but I, I don't have any ill feelings toward her. Mm, okay. um, the lactation, this specific lactation consultant may have saved my son's life because she was the one that told me to watch out for the temperature drops because he was so little and no one in the hospital had told me that. Oh. So if it wasn't for her, I don't know that I would have noticed that something was off. And so I thank her for that little tidbit of information that yeah. I was not told otherwise. Right, so, right. Um, yeah. so while we were at Children's, we worked with a lactation consultant and a speech therapist um, to help. And so they got me on like kind of like a nursing schedule where they wanted me to nurse for 10 minutes on one side and then give him a bottle he was also very slow at eating bottles. So I wasn't supposed to let him eat on a bottle for more than, I think it was 30 minutes or something, because at that point he's like expounding more energy to suck on the bottle than he is in taking calories. Mm. And so they wanted me to like feed him like that. Um, which in all honesty, like I did that for a couple of days when we got home and then he was never finishing his bottles. And so I would sometimes let him have an extra 10 minutes or something because I, because everyone was like, everyone I talked to was that's odd. I've never heard them say that before. I would think that you would just want him to drink all of his milk. And right. so, yeah, it was weird. Um, and so throughout that whole time, like I continued nursing and pumping and then supplementing with formula for about a month. And then I got to the point where I just was like, I can't do this anymore. I am literally attached to a pump or him all day with no like results. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still pumping like five milliliters. I'm still like 10 to 15 would like be the most that I would get total. Not like from each, like I would get like 10 to 15 milliliters tops. Yeah. And I was like, if I was getting more and if I felt like he was actually like getting some from me when he was nursing, I would probably keep going, but it doesn't feel like anything's changing. And so I decided I had to drop, I had to drop something. I had to either stop pumping or I had to stop nursing. So I decided to stop pumping, but to keep nursing when he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would, I would latch him between before most feedings and see if he would, but a lot of times he would just fight me and like, push me and scratch me and scream. And Mm -hmm. so it got to the point where it just wasn't worth it to me because he Mm -hmm. wasn't eating. It was a fight every time and he would get mad at me. And then I would just, you know, have all these emotions. Like my baby hates me. He won't eat like he won't nurse. And um, 
We put so much pressure, you know, we put so much pressure on ourselves. And in the early postpartum, you're already dealing with so much and good for you for, for making that choice. You know, that's hard to do that. It is. And a lot of people, you know, breast is best. And it's not that I disagree. It's just that it's not best for everyone if it's not working for you. And that's, I think, like my biggest, like, if it's causing more harm to your mental state, and you especially like, I didn't feel like he was really getting any nutrients from it. So then what I mean, then I'm just sitting there and causing myself to feel awful about it with no real, real benefits. And so um, I made the decision eventually to kind of stop nursing and like, if he would root, I would latch him. But then but if he didn't, I wouldn't really because I was just sick of fighting with him and making him upset for no reason. And um, so ultimately, we switched to formula and he's been on formula since like, just exclusive formula since like a month and a half. And he's nine months next week and weighs 24 pounds. Oh, he's doing good. Yes. He's completely healthy. He's eating like as much food as I do, like (laughs) real food. And like, he will put away some mac and cheese. So (laughs) I I think it all worked out. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. How do you feel that your relationship with your body has changed since you did this magical thing, giving birth? Like, how do you feel in your body now versus, you know, who you were before? Yeah. Um, I've always been very thin and um, decently toned, even for not like working out a ton. I was a cheerleader in high school and like worked out a little bit through college. So I always like had a flat stomach and I always felt very confident in a bikini and all these things. Um, I had to go up two pant sizes, which isn't a lot for me. And when I tell people my pant size, they like roll their eyes to the moon at me. It's all but relative. for me, yeah, for me, it was a lot. And I had to go buy new jeans. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I've never worn this size of jeans before. But yeah, I would say like, I feel a lot more empowered now, like that I gave birth and I it was something that I was I had always been afraid of like leading up to getting pregnant. And then once I was pregnant, the fears kind of subsided because it was kind of the idea of, well, I don't really have a choice. Like I have to get (laughs) this baby out. So, you know, but before I was always a little bit afraid of giving birth. Um, and so I was, um, but now like, I just feel so much more empowered by it. And like, I'm like, I say like, I'm obsessed with it now. And I want to hear like everybody's birth story all the time. And so like your podcast and evidence-based birth and some Mm -hmm. of those other ones that Mm -hmm. I've listened to are just like my life now. And I love it. So, um, yeah, so I like, I have a a little bit of a different relationship with my body, but not to the point where I'm like upset about it. I'm just like, I'd like to get back to where I was, but I also Mm -hmm. know that I birthed a human. So I, you know, (laughs) yeah. And um, everyone's different, but I'm wondering, you know, how has your relationship with your sexuality changed and is that different now? Yeah. um, I would say like the first time that we tried to have sex after I had had my son, when is it that you get cleared? What I had like a four week. Yeah. So like at like six weeks, I was like, uh, no, sorry. (laughs) Nope. There's still some stuff going on down there. It seems way too early not going to happen. Um, and my, my husband was great about that. Obviously he was like, I get it. Like you (laughs) tell me when you're ready, you do your thing. And, uh and it it was also this like fear of like, 
oh, like you've, you've seen, like, you've seen a lot. Like, are you sure you still want to? Yeah. Um, no, that was, but no. Um, so like the first time that we tried after it was super painful and actually like, I was like, okay, I'm sorry. No, we can't do this. And it was fine. And we're like, we'll just try again later. So it took a while. It took longer than I thought to get back. Um, I had some pain for a while mm-hmm. after, um, and I don't know if that was because of like my hematoma or anything. Cause obviously mm. I did, I didn't tear very badly. So I don't know that it was that. Um, but now, I mean, everything's pretty much back to okay, normal good. now. Like it's, okay. it's all good now. It was a little bit of like, there was still the pain and then there was a little bit of like self-consciousness and a little mm. bit of that. And, um, like finding the time, like now, yeah. <laughs> like now it's like, well, now my son is crawling all over the place so it's like put him to bed at night and then like go yeah <laughs> so yeah. that's I feel like that's a factor too and that people and it's like there's a period where like it's okay because they sleep a lot and then like you have time and then they get to this age where they're like all over the place all oh, the time yeah. and you have to like reconfigure everything yeah so. it almost gets I mean it's yeah. exhausting in the beginning but then there's always another exhausting phase for some other reason <laughs> you know every uh, every oh, stage yeah. yeah well the last question I have is just that, you know, I guess it's, it's really hard to boil this down to one thing, but if there is one thing that stands out in your mind that you would tell someone who maybe just found out they were pregnant or is on the journey that you just went through, what, what comes to mind as something that you would, you know, give as a piece of advice? I would say, don't, don't get caught up in the game of comparison and of the, Um, social media can be great. It can be a tool, but it also can be super, um, it gave me a lot of anxiety where I was like, this person had a baby a week after me and their baby's already doing this. And my baby's not doing that. And there was a long period of time where that was really, really hard for me and something that caused me a lot of anxiety. Um, so I think like, this is kind of like two parts is don't get caught up in that. You do what is best for your child. All babies are different. All babies learn differently. All babies eat differently, sleep differently, all the things like no kids are the same. So you can't compare yourself to what other people are doing. Um, and other like families have different values where what, you know, with what they like think is important and what's not. So you have to do what's best for your family and what fits your family's schedule and what fits your family's values. Um, so that's huge. And then also if you are dealing with any type of pregnancy or postpartum depression or anxiety, like do not be afraid to talk to your doctor about it and to get help what with whatever that means for you. Um, I was super resistant to anything. And my I had um, a spurt postpartum where I didn't sleep for three days straight because mm-hmm. I was having panic attacks in the middle of the night and my son was sleeping through the night. I, it was not him. I just could not sleep. And I told my doctor about it and she suggested that I try just a low dose of an antidepressant, um, anti-anxiety medication. Um, and it's made a world of difference for me. That doesn't mean that it's going to work for everybody, but whether that is talk therapy or counseling or a little bit of medication or whatever you need, just don't be afraid to ask for that help because I wasn't being the mom that I could because of that anxiety. And now I feel like I can be fully present with my son and sleep at night, which is super important. So, um, yeah, so that's just something that like, um, 
don't feel weak because you have to act because you need help or you need to talk or you need anything like that. You deserve it and you need it and you have to do what's best for you and your, and your family. So, Oh yeah. Uh, that is, I yeah. couldn't agree with all of that more. Honestly, that's so yeah. beautifully put. Um, and the comparison game. Oh boy. Oh, oh Thank boy. you for bringing that up because it's so true and yeah. you have to just sort of stop everyone is so different. Like you and I are so different and every person on this world is different. And um, that's really, really good point to bring that up. So thank you. I am so grateful that you took the time to share this with me. And um, thank you. You're, you're amazing. You did it. And like, you're amazing. Oh, I appreciate that. It means a lot that you're willing to share intimate details of your life because you put a life on on this planet girl and you did it It it's pretty amazing yeah well thank you so much for having me i was i'm very excited about this love talking about it love hearing other people's stories so i'm just really happy to be a part Thank you again, Taylor, for sharing your story. It was so nice to meet you. And thank you to all of you for listening. I cannot believe it's December already. Can you? I flipped the calendar today to December 1st, and I just thought, oh man, 2020 has truly been the longest, shortest year ever. But hey, look, we made it to the end in one piece somehow. I don't know. I don't know how, but I hope for you all as you enter the holiday season you're finding a lot of moments to just take care of yourself feel grateful and proud of yourself for working hard every day to create and give life and honestly just get through it all it's intense it's been intense so give yourself a little pat on the back and don't forget to rate review subscribe to the show it helps us grow and find more ears visit birthshow.com for a lot of resources that will help you on your own journey into parenthood share with your friends anybody you know who might be expecting that might help them on their journey as well especially the postpartum stuff the labor and delivery support stuff I mean, there's a lot of of products on there that are worth looking at and, and getting if you're expecting. That's it. That's our show. I look forward to being with you again next time. I'm Christy Williams, and you've been listening to Birth. This is a Sync Studios production.